Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. We're ready to share the word with you guys. How many all ready for the word of God today? Hey, we'll just keep this right here. We're going to continue in our planted series. And uh, don't sit down quite yet. We're going to go into the word right now. I want you to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I want you to stay standing in honor of the word of God. This morning, we are in week three of planted. I'm a firm believer that those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. It's inevitable. What I see happen, though, is many of us do not know what it actually means to be planted. And that's why over the last four weeks, I feel like it has been my mission to share with the church what it means to be planted. Because I know God wants us to flourish. I know it's it's his design, it's his desire for our lives. But we got to get rooted. We got to get planted in the house. And how I see it being planted is week one, we talked about the gathering. It's important to keep it coming each and every week. We talked about the growing. You know, continue to read your Bible, pray, continue to gather together in smaller groups. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about the giving. The giving. What I see a lot of people, before they produce fruit, they stumble on this topic, the giving. And I believe that if there's any area where the Christians stumble on, It's my mandate to confront head on. And I want to be able to share some truths with you today and why God calls us to give. Because it's my desire that you be fruitful. It's God's desire that you be fruitful. But in order to be fruitful, there's some roots that we got to dig deep. And then next week, we'll be talking about the the gifting, and we'll cap it all off with that. Excited to be able to share this word with you guys today. We've been living out of Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 47. We'll revisit it a little later, but... Uh, As we start off this sermon, let's dive into our theme verse today. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. This passage, I see the early church, all four of the gathering, the growing, the giving, and the gifting. I see it right here. I believe God's calling the church back to this. In order for us to produce fruit, we've got to first get planted. It says, they devoted themselves. It means it's a choice you've got to make continually. To the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people in the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write down today's topic, the giving. The giving today. We're going to be talking about what does that really mean? Why does God ask us to give? Why is it so important for us to be planted, for us to carry this heart of generosity? What does it mean to give? Why does God ask us to give? We're going to be talking about just a few of those things today. But before we do, and before we take seated, I want to take a moment. I want to pray over you, and then we'll make our way to our seat. So, Father God, I thank you for your word. That's true. I pray that you would open our ears to hear you, open our eyes to see you today. God, we're hungry for you. God, we want to know you. Not just a a, a figment of our imagination or just some kind of checkbox that we have on a Sunday morning, God. But we want to counter you in your words and your truth. And we thank you. Your word does not return void. So right now, church, would you open up your hands and say these words after me. Say these words. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's put our hands for the word of God today. 
Hey, and before you sit down, I need you to high-five 10 people. Not nine, not seven. High-five 10 people before you sit down. There we go. I got 10, 10, 10 high fives today. Come on. Come on. How many of you are ready for God to speak to you? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Today we're talking about the giving. Can I tell you that a natural response to God is to give back? The Bible says that Jesus gave. It says, God so loved the world that what? He gave. He gave of himself. And the natural response is for us to give all of ourselves Back to him, not a part of it, but all of it. And any part that we do not submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ is subject to defeat and deception in our life. Do you know that? That there's parts of our lives that we can choose to pick back up and not give back to Jesus. That's the choice that we have each and every day that we have the opportunity to make. God desires to have all of us, not just a part of us. But all of us, and what I see happen in church is that a lot of people, they're good with going to church on a weekly basis, which by the way, if you don't go to church on a weekly basis, it is imperative for you as a follower of Christ to try to make it each and every single week. It says they devoted themselves, but they also devoted themselves to the growing. They got together in small groups. They ate together. They prayed together. They read the Bible together. It's important, but what I see, we, we go quickly to do our time our talent, so then we're gifting. Okay, how does God want to use me? Everyone loves the idea of God using them. But what I see as a stumbling block is this one word, our treasure. That treasure can be a stumbling block. Do we give God access to our finances? Now, I'm not here to try to raise money for the church. I'm not trying to hear, here to try to get you to tithe or anything like that. What I'm here to do is try to teach us as a church is a heavenly principle, a kingdom principle. In order for us to be fruitful in our lives, first, this is what it looks like to get planted. It looks like being able to give God access to my entire life, every part of my life. I don't live my life with a closed fist. I live it actually with an open hand. I realize that if God got it to me, God can get it through me. Certainly, he can get it to me again. I realize that it's all God's. That God has given me the ability to produce wealth. And if he gave me the ability to produce wealth, who cares if I don't get that contract? Who cares if I don't get that job? Because I know a closed door just means that an open door is coming along the way. Can I get an amen? Can I tell you that God wants us to live with open hands? But most importantly, God wants to be able to have the entire access to all of our lives, not just part of them. And the reason why finances can be such a hard part to submit to God and to yield to God is because we have a tough time seeing God as our provider. No, what do we do? We see our job as our provider. So we have a tendency to live in fear. How am I going to afford this if I lose my job? How am I going to pay for rent if I lose my how am I going to pay for food if I lose my? No, God is your provider, not your job, not your paycheck, not your business. God will open up doors. God will give you opportunities. He will take care of you. If he takes care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, how much more will he take care of you? We see a natural response to encountering God's love is that he has all of us. We see Zacchaeus, he counters God. He encounters God, and he says, see how I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've wronged anyone, anything, I'll pay them back four times. We see this be a stumbling block to believers. Why? Because sometimes we serve God over our money over God. 
We see this happen with the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler goes to God. He's finding this void in his life, and he's saying, Jesus, what must I do to get eternal life? What is he asking for? He's saying, there's just something missing. I see a lot of Christians who go to church, who read their Bible, who pray a lot, and they still say there's something missing. And that usually happens because they have failed to give him access to their finances. And what we see is this rich young ruler, he's saying, God, I've done all these things. And so Jesus says to him, hey, you know what to do. Obey the Ten Commandments. That's how you're going to have eternal life. He says, I've done all these things since I was a youth. And Jesus says, yeah, you're right. But one thing you lack, you're not a giver. So you haven't fully given your life over to the Lord. You're actually serving God. Jesus confronted not the man's wealth. He confronted his idolatry. It says that he served money. He said he had great possessions. He loved money and he wasn't willing to give God access to that which mean, meant that Jesus was not his Lord but money was his Lord the Bible says that you cannot serve both God and money the word that they use in the Bible is mammon it's like the love of money it says you can't have both they can't be in the same the same camp together either you love one and hate the other or you hate one and love the other and so when Jesus asks for your finances or part of them or even all of them, eventually he wants us to be able to surrender it all and live with an open hand that it's all the Lord's, all thereof is the Lord's. But when God asks for it, it's not because he's trying to get something from you. It's because he's trying to get something to you. Did you know that? That God's not trying to get money from you. He's trying to get something to you. So we see that we do not realize that our heart actually follows our treasure. God is wanting us to have a full heart. He says, where your treasure is there, your heart is also. And so we have a tough time giving our hearts fully to Jesus because we've never trusted him with our treasure. Now, I've said this. I'm not trying to raise money. What I'm trying to do is teach you a kingdom principle. If you don't like the messenger, hey, then go ahead. The message is true. I just, imply, just apply this message anywhere. Go to any church throughout the city, life, gate, love, whatever you want to do, but apply this message to your life, that I am going to be an open-handed person. I'm going to be a generous person. This is how it's been my entire life. I was taught this way. My parents raised me this way. And I can tell you, I've never been in want. I've never been in need. So even as a pastor of this church, I continue to tithe. I continue to tithe because what does it do? It aligns my heart with the kingdom rather than my kingdom. That's why I tithe. That's why I give, because it aligns my heart with the things of God, not my things. So what am I doing? I'm telling my money where to go. And if I tell my money where to go, I'm telling my heart where to go. Because where my treasure is, there my heart is also. I've been doing this my entire life. I will continue to do it my entire life. When I took this position as lead pastor, I had that, that, that question, do I tithe? And I felt like God asked me, he's like, where do you want your heart to be? Well, God, I trust you as my provider. So I'm going to trust you and I'm going to align my heart with the kingdom of God, with the things of God. And what I found is, is that, that tithing isn't just what I have left over. Tithing is, the Bible calls it my first fruits. It's what I have when I first pay my, my paycheck. What am I telling that money to do? Am I giving God what's left over? Or am I sowing first into the things of God? I have in my hand 10 $1 bills. And this is how many of us live our lives. We have a tendency to live our lives is, is we get our paycheck and then we start thinking of all the things that we got to do. And like Winston loves golf and golf, <laughs> priority, <laughs> he loves to golf. And golf is expensive, you know, so I got to sit some time with that. And then Kelly, you know, she, she, she expects 
to eat at Chick-fil-A at least once a week. And uh, on the good days, it's, it's twice a week. You know, so I got to, that's a priority, man. You know, the Jesus chicken, got to have that, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, some of us, like, uh, we got to have the high-speed internet. You know, God, we're year 2023. Love that high-speed internet. You know, got a game. Gave me this life. You know, PC master race. God, I got to get that new PC, you know, right? And, and then we, we think, okay, well, I got to give to my favorite church, you know, St. Arbucks. You know, I, I got that. And, um, you know, I, gotta, I can't do push-ups and run at home. You know, I got to have a gym membership, and even though I never go. But, you know, I like to say I'm a part of a gym, uh, you know. And, and uh, oh, you know, God, you know, Fear of God just had that new essentials drop, and you know I gotta, I gotta be, I gotta be dripping, you know, my whole life, you know, I gotta be, I gotta be looking fresh, you know, and and then you know God, I gotta have like some fun money and you know uh, things like that, you know, I gotta take care of myself. And look, God, you got me through the month. God, I am going to give back to you. Thank you, God. Can I tell you that is not a tie, that's a tip. That's me thanking God for getting me through. That's not me sowing and giving God my first fruits. No, what does it look like? The paycheck comes in, and I immediately, I say, God, this is yours. I'm not going to touch it. It's like the tree of the garden. God said, don't touch that. That's mine. Stay away from that. I have all this other stuff for you. I have all this stuff, but that, that's mine. Don't touch that. Give that to me. Return it to me. Give it to me. Now, God is not some kind of mob boss that I'm paying off. It's not like the first and the 15th of every month. Okay, God, like, I'm going to give you the tithe, and, and now just leave me alone. Right? God's not like a mob boss that we pay off and, God, I get to do what I want. No, Jesus said this. He said, woe to you Pharisees. You tithe even on the smallest of income, but you neglect the greater matters of the law. Now, Jesus said we should tithe. We find that in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 11, verse 42. He says four words, you should tithe. Yes. If anyone's wondering if you should tithe, I like to go off of what Jesus says. Yeah, no one ever had that, that question. Why should you tithe? You know, because Jesus says to, you know, the, the Sunday school, who part of the Red Sea? And he's just, Jesus. Because <laughs> the answer is Jesus to everything. Well, yeah, you're kind of right, you know. Like, so why should I tithe? Well, because Jesus kind of said, right, you should tithe, yes. But I'm not tithing to pay God off. I'm tithing because I'm giving, I'm sowing my first fruits. Because what we do is we go around and we think that tithing is a debt that we owe. But no, 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 tithing is a debt, is, is a seed that we sow. Right? It's not about just paying God off the first and the 15th of every month so I can do my own thing and forget about the, the weightier matters of the law. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. No, no, no. This is still a part of it. I don't just do it so I can do whatever I want. At the first sign of I get a paycheck, I'm going to sow into the kingdom of God. I'm going to have a seed and I'm going to sow into the things of God. Because ultimately, get this, where God wants us to all be is not that 10% is his but actually the whole 90, the whole 100% is actually his. Because if I live with a closed hand, you ain't dropping any money in that hand. It's just going to fall right out. God wants us to live with an open hand in our lives. I said, God, surely you gave me this. Do you guys believe that? That God gave you what you have? The sooner you realize this, the more thankful you'll be, the more gratitude you'll share, and actually the more doors that will open up. Because you are, God, you know what? Thank you for my Honda Civic. God, I'm so thankful that I got a car. I don't have to ride a bike. I thank you. If you got a bike, God, thank you that I got a bike. God, thank you. It's a heart of gratitude, my friend. God wants us to have a heart of gratitude. And as you show thankfulness for what you have, 
I'm not showing thankfulness so that I can get more. It's realizing how much that I have been given. Because when I don't have a thankful heart, you know what I do? I start to take for granted what God has given me. So realize that all of your life, everything in your hand, God ultimately wants to get to the point that it's all his. And this isn't just New Testament, this is Old Testament. They took a tithe, an offering for the, the temple of God, and they were bringing in all these resources to build this temple. And David was blown away. King David was blown away. You know, David, like slingshot, kill Goliath David. He was blown away by how much money and things that people were bringing to support the house of God. And so what does he do? We find this in 1 Chronicles 29. His response is this. Now, our God, we give thanks and praise your glorious name. It says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? God, thank you that I've had the opportunity not just to put clothes on my back and a roof over my head, but even to be able to be generous. He says, everything comes from you. And we have only given you what comes from your hand. So when you're giving the tithe, you're not giving it as much as you're just returning it back to him. The Bible says that the gold is his, the silver is his. Money is just a, a, a number on a screen nowadays. Can I tell you, sometimes you're better off putting money to use rather than trying to hold on to it. It's like, it's like water. It, it has ebbs and flows. It moves in, in and out. It's like put it to some investments, put it to some assets, rather than just trying to uh, hoard and accumulate things, but actually put it to use. What are you doing? You're sowing. You're sowing, and sowing doesn't guarantee a return. But can I tell you, God sees what is in heaven, and he who sees what is in heaven will richly reward you. That's a biblical promise we can, take, we can bank our life on. But it's like a water that if you try to hold on to it, what do you do? You end up just squeezing it out of your hand before you have nothing left. Can I tell you that's why they call it a currency? Because it's like water, and it has ebbs and flows. It comes to you. What I love about people that have a lot of money is they realize that they can always get more. That mindset will change your life. That, you know what, I've had money. If they have a lot of money and they've lost a lot of money, they know I can get money again. But if they don't have a lot of money, they hold on to it so tightly, they don't open up their minds enough to be able to see how God can keep on bringing and opening up doors for them. It's a mindset shift that has to happen. That, you know what, I've had it before, I've lost it, but I can get it again. Can I tell you that God has opportunities, million-dollar opportunities in this room? Sometimes all you have to do is just apply it and put it into, your, into practice. A lot of us, we just sit on those ideas. But God says, no, I've ordained you. I've called you for such a time as this. I want you to do something. I didn't just speak it to you for you to just sit on it. And then we see someone else walking in our calling. And we're like, man, I thought of that idea first. <laughs> who thought who ever done that before? My wife and I, we had an idea of putting uh, oh, uh, on the back of a car, what are those like ticket lines that you kind of, you can read on the bottom of a screen? We wanted to put this like, this like sticker or like this LED sign on the back of a car. And uh, you could have immediate buttons like, um, God bless you. You could have uh, uh, less, less, less uh, church-appropriate uh, signs that you could show on the back of it. Um, when, you, when someone cuts you off and you speed in front of them, you just kind of hit a button. And uh, it's usually the middle button that works the best for that. And kind of, we had that idea, and then we saw it being advertised, and we're like, we thought of that. Ideas that God presents are contingent, the fruit of it is contingent upon the person's response to the idea. Your action and your obedience to the thing that God spoke, when God speaks his word, and I tell you, he speaks it. Certain people hear it. A lot of people hear it, but few respond to it. And so what you see is someone who responded to it. 
that idea to do something with that. And then we're thinking, well, I, I thought of that idea first. Yeah, but you didn't do anything with it. Because God's on the move. God's doing things in the city, in this nation, in this world. And he's looking for people that are available, that are obedient to him and what he's speaking. So those ideas that God gives you, whatever it takes, read a book, watch some videos, get a mentor in your life. How can I apply this? How do I grow this in my life? You know, but this idea of the, the tithe, tithe is just something simple. It's, it's the tenth. It's the tenth. God gives us this principle because he doesn't want us to be dependent upon the 100%. He wants us to be dependent on him as the provider. That's why he does this. What it does is it opens up our hearts to be able to see him as the provider, as our provider, and not us and not our job. This idea of tithe, we've heard it from the Old Testament, especially if you've been in church, you've heard it quoted out of Malachi chapter 3. It says that you are under a curse if you don't tithe. How many of y'all heard that verse before? Chapter 3, verse, verse 9, it says, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouses that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Almighty God, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be even room enough to store it. Show of hands, who's all heard that verse before? All right, and this is what is going on in the church today is some, some, some TikTokers of the faith, they come in and they start sharing this stuff, and what I find is that they don't have a deeper uh, understanding of motive behind requests that God has for us. And so they'll share something that is half truth or 90% truth. And I can, can I tell you that the devil will come to deceive the church, not with 100% lie, but with 99% truth. Just enough to mislead the church. So it's something that sounds good. It's something that, man, that, I think that, that guy's right, but they don't have the Bible and it's an entirety. And so they'll take verses, they'll take them out of context. And what I want to be able to do as your pastor is I want to be able to do my best to share the scripture in its entirety. God's heart towards you. Not just verses to try to get a response or a reaction or a result. But I want you best to be able to see the heart of a father towards you. That's ultimately what my goal is here. And when I'm talking about giving, I'm not trying to get a result. I'm trying to see what, show you what will happen in our hearts if we never trust God with our finances or even a part of our finances. And so Malachi talks about how we're under a curse. Now, are we under a curse as, as New Testament believers who believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but not just for our sins, but he bore all the curses. It says curses to anyone who hangs on, is, hangs on a tree. So Jesus carried all of our curses. So can a new believer be cursed because they don't tithe? That's the question that I want you to think. I don't want you to respond back, but I want you to think about it. Can a new believer, can a Christian be cursed? I don't think they can be cursed, but I think it can be like a curse. Just like you, how as a New Testament believer, can live like a curse if you refuse to forgive someone and you harbor bitterness in your heart. And every time you see that person, you're like, ah, it's like drinking poison hoping they're going to die, but really you're dying on the inside. It's like a curse. It's like a curse if you're married and, you know, you're committing adultery in your heart and you're looking at people with lust. Show how that curses your marriage and you start to dis have disdain towards your spouse. It's like having a home and you start coveting other homes and what's going to happen? It's like living under curse. You're going to start to not like the house that God's provided you in. It's like a curse. The same is true that, that, that when we choose not to trust God with our finances, we will live like we're cursed because we will always be in need. 
Because we've never learned to trust God as our provider. It's like a curse. It's like a curse when we feel like, God, I'm not going to return anything to you. I'm not going to sow in those first fruits. What are you doing? You're trusting your job. You're trusting your income rather than trusting God to be your provider. Because money has a tendency to pay for things. But money is a lousy provider. Money will pay for things, but it won't provide you with joy. Money will pay for gas, but it won't provide you with godliness. Money will pay for your plane ticket, but it won't provide you with your purpose. Money pays for your home, but it will never provide you with a place that feels like home. Money pays for your clothes, but it will never provide you for you to be clothed in blessing, godliness, and goodness, and mercy following you all the days of your life. Money pays, but it doesn't provide. Can I tell you there's... A name for God, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who will provide. That's what God's after. He's not after your paycheck. He's not after your resources. He's not after your finances. He's after your heart. And if I never trust him with my treasure, I question if he ever has your heart. God is after a heart, my friend. He's after our hearts. He's after all of us, not parts of us. And that's why he says, hey, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the problem is, and why God asks for my tithe when I don't tithe, what I do is I'm not submitting my whole life under the lordship of Jesus, and I actually subject myself to defeat and deception in my life. So I'm leaving a door wide open. I'm leaving a door wide open to keep me from being planted. And that's why it's so important. If we're going to produce fruit, we got to be planted. And if we want to be planted, we got to give God access to all of our lives. And so we go back to our theme verse, Acts 2.45. It says that they, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. But we also hear this in the book of Acts. And we'll throw up on, on the screen, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Just two chapters later, it says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they all had, they had all things in common. Now, this isn't Christian communism. This is Christian generosity. What does it say? It says, who possessed it? He possessed it. She possessed it. They owned it, but they chose to give it. You can't steal something or give something that you never really have. The Bible says you shall not steal that implies that God has given us things to possess, to own, to occupy. And we see that they possessed it. They possessed it, meaning that they had a choice to freely give it. You can't freely give something that you don't own. It says they had all things in common. And then we find a response to this, this man who in, encounters God. His name is Joseph, also known as Barnabas. Barnabas is like the, he was a companion of Paul in the first missionary journey. They went to all the churches. That's where we get a lot of the books of the Bible. He, he was a companion. And this is the first time we read about him in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 36. We'll throw it up on the screen here. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field. Who owned it? He owned it, right? And brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Which, by the way, back then, for a Jew to sell land, they're not allowed to sell their land that's in their family name. It was actually land that was in Cyprus that wasn't land of Israel, so they owned land outside of Israel. 
So that's, he was able to sell that. He sold that, donated it to the church or donated it to the apostles' feet at that time. It says he owned it and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. But we go one verse later, and this is what I feel like the Holy Spirit wanted to be able to share with us today. We read about Ananias and Sapphira. Now, this is like preaching 101. They say, never talk about giving and mention Ananias and Sapphira. Yet, here I am. So we see Acts chapter 5. Right after this verse of Barnabas giving the land, we see now a man named Ananias and Sapphira, named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Now with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest of it and put it at the apostles' feet. The problem wasn't that he kept back part of it for himself. The problem was that he misled what he was actually doing. And for, other, for, for many of us, when it comes to, to finances, can I tell you that unless there's some kind of revelation of the Holy Spirit, no one really knows if we're trusting God with our finances. No one really knows if we trust God to be our provider. Only you know that. And so that's why some of us tithe 10%. That's why some of us go above and beyond and are vision builders and they give 15, 20%, maybe even more than that. Because to where much is given, much is required. And God isn't necessarily after a percentage as much as he is after your heart. And if there's a percentage that has your heart, God's going to ask for that. And he just wants to know, do you trust me? So there's been times in our lives where God's asked us to give to, the, to church and other churches. And what I've found is that God isn't necessarily after the amount. He's more so after my trust. I've never been in need. I've never been wanting anything. Don't get me wrong. Like, I want stuff. But then you're like, yeah, but... Do I just want that? And I think God is faithful. He's a good father, and he'll give you what you want, the desires of your heart. I think he will. But I think that's first when he knows that he has your heart. And so there's sometimes God will ask, and we see that they sell this land, and they, they lay it at the apostles' feet. And we find that they were lying to God. They were lying to the church. And we pick up in, in verse 4, Acts chapter 5, verse 4. Peter talks to him. He says, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? So what is it? This is their choice. God has given them something. It would not have been wrong for them to keep that. It would not have been wrong for them to give some to the apostles and some not. What was wrong was where they misled. And what I feel like this is, is this is a picture to our hearts. Not necessarily a physical description, although it is in the New Testament, I think today we can look at this as our hearts. Is there times when we say, God, I'm going to trust you, and then we don't trust God? He says, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. And what I found is that our giving and our generosity is less about us in the church and more about between us and God. When God asks something from our hearts, it's not because he's trying to get something from us. He's trying to open up doors. He's trying to shut doors. Because as long as I'm dependent on my own finances, I'm dependent on my own ability to produce wealth, and I don't trust God as my provider, I'm opening up my heart to defeat and deception in my life. I'm never going to produce fruit because I'm thinking I'm the one that's going to produce that fruit. 
I never take the time to get planted because I never put my treasure in a place where I was supposed to put my heart. I never trusted God. And what I find here is Ananias and Sapphira, it was more about their relationship with God than it was about their relationship with the church. Can I tell you that giving is not a requirement? Giving is not a requirement in the church. It's not a requirement for salvation. You know, tithing, generosity, offering above and beyond 10%, that's not a requirement. But it's an invitation for you to know God as your provider. And there's a side of God that you don't really realize until you open up your hand and you see that he cares for those flowers. He cares for those birds. He also cares for me. And it's not that I'm trying to get something from you. I want more to be accredited to you. Because your generosity go places that you've never been. It'll open up doors that you never were going to walk through. Not just in this life, but next. When we're far and gone, I love what Billy Graham said. He said, I never saw a U-Haul following a hearse. We don't take it with us. It's a tool. It's not the goal. The goal is to know Christ. Sometimes he asks us, hey, I'm going to give you some things to steward. So I'm not asking for anything here. I'm trying to open up a door of opportunity to be to know God as our provider rather than just as our Savior. Philippians 4.17 says this, that not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be accredited to your account. More to be accredited to your account. And I tell you, there's someone's name that is in heaven, that will be in heaven, that will have an asterisk, so-and-so gave to this church where this person encountered God. That's what it means by more be accredited to your account. There's going to be people in heaven because you decided to live with an open hand. There's going to be people whose lives have been changed for eternity, not just lives, but families, generations. Generational curses are going to be broken because you chose to live with an open hand. He's like, I want more to be credited to your account. Then he goes like, the, your offering is like, a, it's like a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And then he says, my God will meet all of your needs. That's a promise. He will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9.6 says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give so it's like, should give. It wasn't really like a question. It's like, you know, you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God's able to bless you abundantly. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. What is that? That's fruitfulness. Do you see it? Since have you decided to open up your hand, you will abound in every good work. Good works that God prepared in advance for you to do, that he's equipped you with. 
This is the last verse I want to share with you today. I mentioned a lot about like the flowers of the field and the birds of the air. And what that is referenced to is Jesus in in Matthew chapter 6. He talks about, uh, look at these birds of the air. God takes care of them. The flowers of the field, he takes care of them. How much more is he going to take care of you, a child of God? God's going to take care of us. He takes care of these things and he clothes them in all their splendor. He's going to take care of us. But then he kind of caps it off at this end. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, we'll throw it on the screen. It says, but first seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. I'm not teaching you some kind of giving campaign. I'm teaching you a kingdom principle. My entire life, I've been tithing. My entire life, I've been giving to the things of God and the kingdom of God. And I will continue until my dying breath, give God the first fruits back to his house, back to his kingdom. Because I want to see more people in heaven. I want to see his name preached across this world. That's why I give. And I'm curious, I want to, I don't really know what is awaiting for me in heaven. But you know, I'm not really after that. Because I'll get there one day. But I also want to know God here on earth. Not just part of him. Not just as my salvation. But I also want to know him as a father that provides. And that's what I'm hoping for you. And why I encourage you to put to practice what you've heard. And live with an open hand. Not a closed one. So that your life is not open to defeat and deception. Would you stand to your feet? various types of needs in this place and some people that you've seen that are doing really well financially um, they haven't always been that way unless a rare case where they inherited a lot of wealth they they were probably in need before that you started seeing them drive that fancy car they were probably in need so we got to be careful before we judge people and we say oh that person they just living for the world no not necessarily What if what you see is actually a sign of God's provision because of their trust in Him? And I want you to be open to that when you see people that may have more than what you have. Don't compare yourself to other people. Don't, well, Barnabas sold his land, so I got to sell mine. No, maybe God was asking him to sell his. Maybe God was asking him to give that amount. You know, because God was trying to open up a door to him. I'm not going to try to compare myself to other people. What I'm going to try to do is be faithful with what God has placed in my hand. And so there's various needs in this house. And uh, some people are living paycheck to paycheck. Some are thinking of how they're going to pay for their kids' colleges. Some people are thinking about their trip to Europe. Right? But above all, regardless of where we're at, I want us to be able to live with an open hand so that we can trust God as being our provider. And so if you're struggling with seeing God as your provider, whether you have all the money in the world, hardly any money at all. I just want to pray for you today. So would I ask the entire church to lift up their hands this morning and receive as we pray? Father God, I thank you for our church. 
God, I pray that you would cover them and meet all of their needs as you say that you will abundantly supply us, God, and meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that our paycheck, our, our, our trust would not be in our paycheck or in Mr. Benjamin Franklin or, or Mr. Social Security. God, I pray that we would not put our trust in that, but we would put our trust in you, Heavenly Father. That you are our Father in heaven who knows what we need even before we ask. So God, I pray that there would be a, a submission to the process that you have. God, in order that we would be able to inherit the promise. God, that promise that says you will never leave us or forsake us. God, that, that, that promise that says you will clothe us, you'll take care of us, you'll provide us for us. God, I pray that we would have that revelation that you are our provider, not just our savior. God, but even here on earth, God, you will provide for us here on earth. God, give us that peace that surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So right now, God, we lift our hands in prayer and we lift our hands in worship. Regardless if we have a little or we have a lot, God, may our hearts always cry, Lord, worthy you are, worthy you will be forever. Yahweh, come on, church, would you worship today? Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.